the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Canal. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and on demand wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for hanging out. If you are watching live, smash the subscribe, smash the like. We're seeing tons and tons of people come to hang out and watch live. Hit that like button. We appreciate it in advance. Win totals rolling on this week. We are going to attack the Big Ten and... The auction is still running. If you would like to join Wednesday's Big Ten Win Total Show, there will be a link in this description, uh, both on the audio and the video form, to be able to go over to eBay. The bidding closes Tuesday around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Listen, we've had a, a high standard, all right? We saw Wade step in here and really just have everything locked and loaded, multiple monitors and everything. Hank, he had the goods, man. He he knew his stuff through and through, giving us unique insight. So can you meet that standard? Are you willing to open up that wallet for St. Jude's Children's Hospital? Those are the only two things you need. Again, head on over to the eBay auction to win the guest spot on Wednesday's Big Ten Win Total Show. The um, bidding closes on Tuesday. So before we get into the Big Ten win totals, and today we will be tackling Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Maryland, Michigan State, Rutgers, and Indiana, the East Division as it stands before that conference gets dropped into water and expanded beyond belief. They might need to keep it, honestly, at this point. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple headlines from over the weekend, the first of which being a fascinating recruitment because, Bud, the way that you told it to me, five-star Athlete, K.J. Bolden, Florida State, loved where they were sitting. Georgia, loved where they were sitting. Auburn, loved where they were sitting. And when we've got these scenarios, it actually makes for, I mean, in, in our crystal ball world, I feel like you can kind of tell where things are headed. Maybe there's a surprise. Take us through your read and understanding of K.J. Bolden committing to the Seminoles a huge win for Mike Norvell. Just, just a, a really big win for the Seminoles. KJ Bolden, pretty consensus across the industry, top fifteen player in the country, and that that is hard to do 
from the safety position. Like, like go back through the history books. There's not a whole lot of guys that the recruiting industry will stamp as a top 15, you know, kind of no doubt five-star type player from the safety position. But athletically, he's it. Physically, he's it. And I think instincts-wise, he's also really, really good. So a, a huge win for Mike Norvell uh, and a win that I think he, he needs to start getting more often if they want to take that next step as a roster. So to go into Georgia's backyard, Buford High School. Now, look, I know that Georgia has not always done as well as at Buford as maybe you know you, you might you might think. However, it's still in Georgia's backyard. It's the position that Kirby Smart played, the back-to-back defending national champions, and Forest State beat them for it. They beat out Auburn. I think KJ was very respectful of, of all the staffs, and, and uh, there was definitely some telling people, I think, what they wanted to hear. Uh, and ultimately, FSU wanted out. I think the relationship with with new defensive back coach Pat Sertan uh, also helped there. A guy who you know was a really good player in the NFL, and they got Charles Lester uh, two weekends ago as well, a, a five star cornerback. So uh, things are looking pretty good for the Knowles in the secondary. What do we make of uh, Mike Norvell finally starting to flip the switch? I mean, this is it, Bud mentioned it, but the transition is we've gotten to this point, transfer portal heavy classes that are okay you got to get these dudes if you want to take this and create some real sustainability right yeah for sure this is the evolution of the program kind of fulfilling and you know getting to where they want to be in all phases of the game the transfer portal we talked about that a lot if you're trying to quickly turn around a program that's the best place to do it and then if you want to sustain the long-term success you have to do it through recruiting the high school game so i think this is just the next step for sure i don't I'm not surprised at all, you know, either. I, I would kind of expect this to be that the this phase of that to start kicking in for sure. Dogs didn't even want them. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You can't be going. You, you can't have your special message for your Georgia fans and then, then come and put your Georgia fan hat on. I mean, I don't want to. He didn't have the he didn't have the grades to get into Georgia. You know, he had to, he had to accept go to Florida State instead. You know how it goes. You know how it is. <laughs> Um, also, the Alabama Crimson Tide have opened up fall camp. Nick Saban held some of his first availability, and uh, we had our first version of uh, "I'm not going to tell you, right?" Okay, he's he's just not going to tell us anything. He's like, "You're going to ask me about it, and they're not going to ha- be anything to talk about. Got nothing to say, all right?" So we got you know Ty Buckner joins the picture. Um, you know Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. Um, Tom, how do, how do you think this one's going to be playing out? How do you forecast the Alabama quarterback battle? I don't know. I mean, I it's that's the thing. Like Saban can sit there and say he's not going to tell you, and that's perfectly fine because in a lot of cases when coaches do that, it's like, yeah, okay, sure thing, coach. Uh-huh, yeah, you got a real open competition. But this is one of those times where I don't really think we know. I think Buckner has a leg up because of his familiarity with Tommy Reese, but I don't know that it's significant enough to where it can't be overcome in camp or in practice heading into the season. I'm guessing that Saban is kind of telling the truth in that the first few games of the season will probably be what ultimately determines who their starting quarterback is for the rest of the year. Well, do you think they have somebody picked by that Texas game? I don't know. Yes. I kind of do too. Yeah, I don't think you can go to the. I don't think you can go into that game with um, like you might throw an or on the depth chart just out of the you know shenanigans of gamesmanship. But I I believe that that offensive staff, Tommy Reese needs to have somebody picked, and 
you know, maybe there's a backup plan that's ready to go, but I, I, they need to figure that out by the end of the first game, in my opinion. Well, I think they also could think they have it figured out and you could see a commitment. And then October 7th in College Station, you could see a different quarterback there too. Sure. Like, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think this is one of those genuine, because we look at a lot of these quarterback competitions and the coach says and or, and we don't know, and they're mm-hmm. competing, and they do. I think this is one, and it kind of leads to why I think Saban was a little bit, he's trying to set a tone. Stop asking me about it. It was first, you know, early. Don't be asked. I don't think he knows, and I think that's very clear. I mean, they went out after spring and tried to find an upgrade. And this wasn't even the top option, but they just took it because it was an option they feel is better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I would expect to go with Buckner if they thought, and they had Reese had firsthand knowledge with him that he's probably like, yeah, this guy can deliver a little bit more than the guys we're working with so far. Familiarity with the system. I, my hunch is the, the you'll see, because I also think Milrow you can build a package for. You know, yes. and they can absolutely use him in week one and possibly against Texas too. But I feel like Buckner's probably going to get that first shot to be the starter. But again, if he struggles at all, you could see a change too. I'm kind of thinking Simpson here. Why? Why? Well, that's, I've, heard, I've, I've heard that, right? That's like the, yeah. the, the latest little scuttlebutt is that Simpson stock is rising. It, give, give me more. I'm very I, curious about that. I was just on Cuban McElroy, uh, and McElroy was like, really kind of pounding the table for Simpson. And he played quarterback there. In, in the absence of anything else that I really trust on this right now, I'm just kind of leaning. Maybe it'll actually be Simpson, right? I, we've seen enough of Milrow to be concerned about the level of passing that he has. He would have to take a big jump, I think, not for Bama to win eight or nine games, but for Bama to win that game 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, or especially a 15-type game, mm. if they really have national championship aspirations, you have to be better throwing the football than he has been, and and a lot better. So. It's hard for me to envision in my mind you know, Saban, who's certainly on the back half, probably the back quarter of his career, going with a guy that he doesn't really believe, based on what we've seen so far, can win you those big-time games down the stretch. Now, if the kid's improved, then absolutely go with him because the legs are, are dynamic. But I think that they need to bet on passing upside. Simpson, uh, five-star prospect coming out of high school. If For him to, to, have, to make that jump, I think that would be what a lot of Alabama fans would be very happy to see in what had seemed to be at the end of spring practice disappointment that he had not yet really fulfilled some of those projections. Um, All right. So I was really excited when we were starting to put the show together that this was going to be a show free of conference realignment, right? I know some of y'all been asking for like, oh my gosh, so much realignment talk. Can we just talk ball? But damn, Bud made a good point. You know, and when when Bud makes a good point, we got to at least bring it to the table to be able to share it with the listeners and the viewers here. Um, and so, Bud, you were you were saying, let's take a historical perspective. What has college football history told us about some of these moves from a power conference to another power conference, which is exactly what we're seeing with Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten and with Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah joining Colorado going to the Big 12. What does history tell us about how that experience is going to go? It's sort of be careful what you wish for, right? And and I, part of this is like, do we count the Big East back when it had Miami, Vatek, all, all those schools as a power league? I, I think we did, right? They, they they were one of the schools that was grandfathered in, or one of the leagues that was grandfathered into the old BCS. So, you know, for purposes of this analysis, I'm going to count them. Like South Carolina going ACC to SEC, no no conference titles in 30 years. Same for Arkansas; they've been in there since '92, zero conference titles. 
Vatex won two in the ACC. Miami's won zero. BC's won zero. It's just, it's hard to compete. Like Nebraska has played in the Big Ten for a decade now. And Nebraska has had a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I think we would all agree. But again, you really haven't sniffed a Big Ten title, right? They've played for it one time, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and got jet sweeped to death. Yeah, exactly. Melvin Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Texas A&M never really sniffed an SEC title, has not made the, you know, the the conference championship game there in about a decade in the league. Um, now, I got into it with some Rutgers fans on Friday or Saturday because I had asked, like, are they really – like, are they happy? And to Rutgers fans' credit, they really do seem happy for the most part, or at least the ones who are, are vocal on Twitter. And, and my argument was that Rutgers really was not an athletics – endeavor by the Big Ten. It was purely a business move because they were the closest market that could secure them the New York and New Jersey TV markets and get all those cable boxes, which are in the millions, obviously. Like they took Rutgers for its location, not because they care about it all about its athletics. And Rutgers so far has 13 Big Ten wins and 39 Big Ten losses by more than three touchdowns. So you're getting like completely non-competitive games, 3X, as often as you're getting Big Ten wins. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, so is that fun as a fan? But, like, their basketball is on the rise, apparently. I've been told. I, I don't yep. really pay attention to basketball at all, but they're taking that check and spending it on something. It sure ain't football. But maybe, like, if you're a Rutgers fan, you're enjoying that. I, I'm just saying, be careful what you wish for. I, I understand you jump in a league if you're really concerned that your league's going to fall apart or if you're a team that is absolutely in, like, the buy players thing and you're really trying to compete, which – as I've said on the show, I think about 18 teams that really do that and maybe five or six more that think they should. But, you know, I I don't know. Like, be careful what you wish for. The counter to all that, though, we just saw all last week. Those schools haven't had a ton of success moving up conferences. But where are they if they don't? They're Oregon State and Washington State, Cal and Stanford in the wild. They're in group of five conferences not making anything. It's like... Rutgers has really struggled in the Big Ten as a football program. Rutgers really struggled as a college football program for 100 years. They'd only been to one bowl game before Greg Schiano ever got there. It's not like they were lighting it up in the Big East. They had like a nice little run there, but then Schiano left and things just kind of cratered again. And they've struggled to build it back up. Like, where's South Carolina if it's still in the ACC? It's in a conference which has half the league trying to get out of a grant of rights, and it's in hell right now. Instead, it's in the SEC. It gets that kind of profile, and it's been recruiting pretty well. It's getting but a lot of But their fans money. would have a chance to win some games or to actually like, like compete for a title. South Carolina does not compete for the SEC championship ever. No, but you know? would South Carolina really be competing for an ACC title every year? I think so occasionally, yeah. Like, like the My, best That's South what Carolina Miami fans would, thought. Would, well, that's fair. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, totally it's, fair. It's, I think in... Look, I think there's an interesting side to this that all of these power conference to power conference moves, we have not meet, seen much success. And the most success that we have seen has arguably, arguably been from the Mountain West into other conferences. That the examples mm-hmm. of Utah and TCU are examples of conference realignment where you are able to have real success. And that those weren't lateral moves. That, that is us always expecting that when you take a jump up in competition, you're going to start taking losses. <clears throat> Utah. Two-time Pac-12 champs. TCU has played for it two times in the last like five or six years. It's wild. It's I think it speaks something to the strength of the program too at the time of the move. Yeah, you better be ready for it though, because don't you think we're going to see another? You know, the TV deals are short term. They're what five or six years, and when they come up the next time around, 
there's a good chance we see more Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford Cows left behind, don't you think? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to see this consolidation continue to take place. So like they better come to compete because if they're at the bottom and they're not delivering much and they don't have much to offer, they're not going to have that standing for long. There, there are commenters saying that, of course, South Carolina would be winning in the ACC. Remember that South Carolina recruits at the level it recruits at because it recruits an SEC program. You get to come play in the SEC. If South Carolina is an ACC program, it is currently the second best ACC program in its own state. Don't be so sure they'd be winning in the ACC either. Mm. Uh, yeah, something to to keep in mind as, as all the pieces continue to move. And again, eight days, then we can put this thing behind us for six months. <laughs> yeah, 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 until, yeah. Then we can put this away until next summer. Eight, eight days <laughs> until then. But no more minutes until we get to our Big Ten win total. So coming up on the other side, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Boy, it is a loaded top of the division. And that is where we will start in the Big Ten East with our win totals next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think the Cover 3 podcast could do a uh, alternate broadcast of a CFL game. <laughs> oh, we gotta go for the rouge here, boys. Those <laughs> of you watching youtube.com slash oh, cover three. CBS Sports Network does have some CFL action, uh, including coming up this Thursday on the CBS Sports Network. Um, so I would need like a week and a half, you know, just to get get everything locked and loaded. I think I could do it. Boring. But let's get into uh Big Ten win totals, and of course, all win totals episodes brought to you courtesy of the general manager of Vanderbilt football. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many games are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. And we begin with the Michigan Wolverines, the two-time reigning Big Ten champion Michigan Wolverines, the holding two straight wins over Ryan Day, Michigan Wolverines, 
and they're returning a lot from last year's group, Michigan Wolverines. They start the season without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Remember? Four-game suspension. The juggernauts coming to Ann Arbor for those four games. ECU, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Four straight home games, and then they finally will be hit the road on September 30th at Nebraska, followed by at Minnesota, then Indiana at home, then at Michigan State. A little bit of a late off week, off on October 28th after eight games, but they're back in action. And now is when we'll finally start to see a few challenges. First, Purdue at home, then at Penn State, at Maryland, and then the season finale against Ohio State in the big house. Uh, right now, we're looking at 10 and a half, around over minus 125, under minus 105, uh, Danny, what are you doing with the Wolverines? Over. Yep. Um, I looked at them. Um, I think there's three games that you look at potentially hiccups. I had at Minnesota. I had at Penn State, and I had Ohio State. I don't think they're losing all three. I don't think they're losing two or three. I think they might lose one. I'm going to say they're 11-1. and one. Returning quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, there's stability there. They've got an identity. I think they even have a chip on the shoulder. Our coach isn't there. You know, everybody's out to get us. So, you know, for somebody who's the two-time defending Big Ten champ, you know, sometimes you can feel like complacent, but they still haven't done, you know, what they want to do in the playoffs. I still think there's motive. I still think they're, you know, enthusiastic. I'm going over. Oh, there's definitely a chip on the shoulder. Like, they've had, they had for years, you can't beat Ohio State, you can't win the Big Ten. So they beat Ohio State the last two years. They've won the Big Ten the last two years, and now it's where you can't win a playoff game. So, no, this team is pissed off. This team's got something to prove. And this team's going to go over because I just don't see two losses on the schedule. Danny, you said you're worried about that Minnesota road game. I'm not. Ah. <laughs> I think they're winning that. I, I was trying to find hiccup <laughs> games, yeah, like slip-up yeah. games. I wasn't worried about it. You know, I didn't say they were going to lose it. I think the first kind of slip-up possibility, maybe Nebraska on the road just because it's the first road game of the year, but like in those first eight games, I think they're winning them all by three scores until they get to Michigan State on the road. Maybe not Nebraska. Maybe that one's close. I don't think you really have to see what this team's truly made of until that last part of the schedule where they come off the bye against Purdue at home. That should probably be a pretty big win. But then you've got Penn State on the road. And then the very next week, you know, between th- – after Penn State, before Ohio State, you've got Maryland on the road. And Maryland is a team that has some talent, and it has a quarterback with a low floor but a very high ceiling at the same time, so it's kind of volatile. It could be kind of a problem. So that three-game stretch at the end of the year is going to tell us a lot about this team, but I still think they're going 2-1 and one through it at worst. If they lose to Penn State, I think they're beating Ohio State at home. It, you know, So, yeah, 11-1 at worst, 12-0, and 0, very much possibility. Shouldn't Jim Harbaugh have taken a longer suspension given the easiness of this schedule? Right? <laughs> and so that you can kind of commute some dude, like, like, hey, if if I get suspended for 10 ball games, can I commit some future recruiting crimes and be totally cool? Like, because <laughs> I, I have Michigan Bank favored em. by three scores in all but two games. Like I there really is no excuse to lose any game except for potentially Ohio State or Penn State. They bullied Penn State last year at the line of scrimmage on a good number of plays. Obviously, I think Ohio State is just about as good. Now, Michigan has you know consistently outcoached them, I think, in two straight years. And last year, we'll get into the variant stuff later. But like, what's really not to like about this team? Right. My questions for this team are really once they reach the playoff, if they get, assuming they get there, JJ McCarthy last year, number one in the nation in passer rating, 
on play action. 55th without play action. As a drop back passer, he was not close to good last year. Off play action, really good. Can Michigan's receivers, can J.J. McCarthy, can they win if they're behind the chains? And that may not happen much this year. How often will they be behind the chains? How often will they be behind on the scoreboard where they actually need to make a comeback and McCarthy has to throw them out of some bad situations? We saw last year against TCU, he struggled with that. That's the only real question I have about this team. Harbaugh is out there telling Bruce Feldman that they might uh, break Georgia's NFL draft record. I think Georgia actually might have something to say about that, by the way, in this upcoming draft, and that they might have seven offensive linemen drafted. I mean, if that's the case, like that's generally one of the, the spots positionally that gives teams trouble, that causes them to slip up because you get a couple guys banged and you can't block and all of a sudden weird stuff happens. I'm, I'm going over. Jim Harbaugh is doing the modern roster construction pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like he is doing player development, but when they have a need, he goes into the transfer portal and he is able to get somebody that makes them better. Like if you want to see if if some of these coaches that aren't as into dabbling in the portal, if you want to use an example of being able to use it just enough without quitting on those guys that your player evaluation process has identified can be really good later in their careers, a junior and senior. I I think that Michigan has done that really really well. Uh, they did it on the offensive line. We did it at the the tight end position. Uh, the defense is just continually starting to get better and better in terms of that player development side. And I, I say this a lot. I can show you clips, a highlight reel of um, Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. You bet, man, those, those are dudes. Those, those are really good players. But I do think they've got a step, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've got a step to be able to be the best of themselves, the best that they are in the highlight. All that said, this schedule's absurd. Over. I mean, 11 and one, and there's not. If if something goes wrong, my toss-ups are at Penn State and Ohio State. Duh. I agree. At Maryland is probably next up in terms of, you know, being kind of scary, especially where it falls in the schedule. I just, I think that the roster is going to produce a lot of NFL draft picks. It's a big year for the Wolverines with everybody back. Who was the general manager in San Francisco he was banging heads with? Was it Balky? I thought so. Who's had a better run as a GM since? Jim. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would Michigan beat an all-star team of its schedule for moving Ohio State and moving Penn State? No, I'm I'm dead serious. Like, I think I would take Michigan. How many players that they're going to face the entire season except for those two games could crack this lineup? The schedule's that bad. All right. Well, who's the quarterback then? It's it's Talia or who? Like Hudson Card. Hudson Card. Man. Right. Yes. 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 They do. Running back. Nobody's playing. Receiver. Nebraska. No. Minnesota. No. Indiana. If Camper's back healthy, maybe Michigan State. Definitely not. Purdue. Kind of no. Maryland's concept. Maryland's got some dudes. This is a, like I'm. This is kind of a good way to illustrate the fact that this schedule is a joke. It's two games. Yeah. It's and there could be some some difficulty in that at least from trying to keep everybody focused. But I, I don't see that being an issue for this team. Count them up. Turning our attention to their rivals, the Ohio State Buckeyes. We have. 
either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown taking over an offense that is locked and loaded, like six deep at wide receiver with guys that would go walk to any other Big Ten team and probably end up with the starting job. You got a couple good running backs, Travion Henderson back again. Some concern along the offensive line, including breaking in some replacements for NFL draft picks. Got some two young tackles. Defensively, year two of Jim Knowles. How does that progress in terms of them being able to limit the explosive plays and hopefully create uh, some pass rush? Because there are certainly the personnel and the talent to be able to have an effective pass rush. They start the season at the stadium that I said needs to be rebuilt because the bleachers have fallen apart. They start at Indiana. Then they have their home opener against Youngstown State, Western Kentucky at home, and then a massive game at Notre Dame on September 23rd off on the 30th, and then back in action for the final eight games of the season. Maryland at home, at Purdue, Penn State at home, at Wisconsin, at Rutgers, Michigan State at home, Minnesota, and then at Michigan. Ohio State also has a win total of 10.5, though the under is more heavily juiced than the over, minus 130 to the under, plus 100 to the over. Tom, what are we doing with this? Over. I mean, um, the schedule is much more difficult than Michigan's to start yes. with. We'll start there, like at Notre Dame, Penn State, at Wisconsin, and then, of course, you finish at Michigan. But I think they're better than Notre Dame. by a, like I think they're overall more talented than Notre Dame. And that game last year was more difficult than I thought it was going to be for them. But I still think, like, talent-wise, while there's still some questions at QB because we don't know who it is, although I think we know who it is, I, I just have a genuine, genuine faith that Ohio State's quarterback is probably going to be fine in that offense with those receivers. Doesn't, you know, that you could be, he might not be CJ Stroud, he might not be Justin Fields, but he could be Mac Jones. So I think they're going to win that game more often than not. I give that to them as a win. I think that they beat Penn State at home. They could lose to Wisconsin on the road. I have them losing to Michigan at the end of the year. So, I don't, I'm not as confident in this as I am in the Michigan one, but it's mostly because of the schedule. But I do have them at 11 and one more often than 10 and two. I'm right there with you. I'm going over. I, I, I think this is sort of a, a two and a half, three team league as far as the, the upper echelon. Ohio State's clearly in that mix. I think they're better at every spot on defense than they were last year D line, linebacker, DBs. I think they've done a nice job in the portal. Receiver still loaded. O-line definitely has some questions. I'm not sure who can exploit that. Like We just did the Notre Dame Summer School. By the way, Notre Dame fans, like the video. Y'all begged for it. Make sure you like that Summer School. Make sure you go watch that episode. What did we hear from Tim? Maybe not a dominant defensive line this year for the Irish. Are they really equipped to expose Ohio State's potential weaknesses on the offensive line? Don't know. I think Michigan is. I think Penn State could, but I, I think – you probably are able to split those, and uh, I don't think you're going to lose any other ball game. Wisconsin, I definitely don't think, is great up front this year on, on the D-line. Oh, uh, no, sorry. I hate this. I hate <laughs> this. But I am a man of principle, and I've got too many daggum toss-ups. I've got to go under. I'm looking Buckeye at this. hater Chip Patterson. I'm looking at this, and I have at Notre Dame, Penn State at home, at Wisconsin, and at Michigan as four toss-up games. Three of those four games are on the road, and if I do my usual process of giving them half, it's a 10-2 and two record. I, 
it is remarkable staring these two schedules back to back because the teams, I have them rated so close. And when they do play, I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think that Ohio State in sort of like ask me to pick a team that's not named Georgia to go win the national championship. I've seriously been working on my, like, maybe I will pick Ohio State to win the national championship. They were so close last year. Maybe it is the guy after the guy. C.J. Stroud goes, and, and then they're able to get it done. And, and I've built all these scenarios in my head and the arguments, and yet when I, I run the sort of win total schedule analysis, I'm going under. See, where we disagree is that I would say at Wisconsin is more difficult than any game on Michigan's schedule that isn't Penn State or Ohio State. Toss-up? I think is being a little too friendly to Wisconsin. Losable game. I yeah. think the way you put it. You know, it's yeah. losable. Yeah. They're, they're, I, they're double digits, right? Yeah. Uh, double digits? Depends on what looks I think like you're double Wisconsin digits. Yeah. right now, probably. All right. So if so, what would you have neutral? Like neutral Ohio State 11 in 14. Madison. 14 about. Throw that to single digits. I think that Ohio State's nine and a half. 14. All right. So I'll put it this way. I'm with, I'm with chip. We're like, if we're saying toss up for Wisconsin, are we saying toss up for Michigan? I mean, Michigan's had the better of this team two years in a row and they play them in Ann Arbor. So I gave that one. And it was part of the process of me going over with Michigan and under with Ohio state is I'm putting that as one of the losses for Ohio state. Um, And then, so then it comes down to three games are you going to run the table on those, or do you have a slip up with uncertainty at quarterback and with like Notre Dame? That that matchup I think is interesting because if you look at the physicality, I think that's something Ohio State has struggled with, and I think Notre Dame can not not dominate them, but I think they can present one of the bigger challenges in their backyard. And they held that offense in check last year with C.J. Stroud. You know, the last time last time this team was ten and two, first year starter it was C.J. was twenty twenty one. I think you're going to see a similar kind of growth year for Ohio State. So I'm going to say 10 and 2. I don't love it. Just I don't love it either. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just, I don't love it. And then like the, good, the, house. the good news, the good news is, you know, to, to the Ohio State fan who's like, you're dead to me. Never come back and never be nice to us again. Don't worry, man. That bandwagon's big enough. I, I might need a little bit more room for my seat when it comes time to the end of the season. Coming up on the other side. We continue the conversation with Penn State. Over or under nine and a half wins. It's a big year for the Nittany Lions. We'll get into that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How many games are going to win this fall? It's a pretty big question for James Franklin. Because we'd all been circling 2023. This is the year. Drew Aller coming in. And he's been, like you know one of the highest rated quarterbacks that's come into Penn State. The offense has one of the best running back rooms in the country. Um, you got NFL, like maybe the top NFL draft offensive lineman uh, up front. A defense that's been nasty. Looks like they're going to be you know terrific getting after the passer. And it's a it's a schedule that does not have a, a tough too tough of a cross division. That we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, they begin with. West Virginia at home, then Delaware, then at Illinois. That's tough. Then they follow it with Iowa, but that game going to be at home. Then at Northwestern, off on October 7th. Back in action with UMass is your warm-up game for Ohio State. That's a nice little break in the schedule. You really uh, need that bye before the UMass game to get your stuff together. <laughs> well, that's a double bye. <laughs> you, have a, you have a double bye leading into the Buckeyes game. Put Ohio State on notice. Uh, Indiana at home after that, then at Maryland on November 4th, Michigan at home, Rutgers at home, and then Michigan State in a game that has been moved to Detroit's Ford Field. Over under nine and a half wins, over juiced to minus 145, under at plus 115. Uh, Bud, three team, two and a half to three team top tier. So what's Penn State looking like on the win total? You know the move, over. I Look, I, I think Drowler is pretty good. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be amazing right from Jump Street, but I, I do think he will play well. O-line should be the best O-line I've had in a while. Michigan fans hate me, but I don't think there's a huge gap between Penn State's backs and Michigan's backs, to be frank. Uh, I, I, I just don't. Sorry, guys. D-line should be really good. I think there is a chance that they're actually improved against the run this year. Uh, their pass rush has been really strong for quite some time. Linebacker, I, I think they're super athletic. I like them at corner. I personally, I, I, I do. Um, look, I, I see kind of a two game schedule here. Now there are some trick spots that if they don't play, you know, if they don't play at like a top 10 level, then I think, I think they're, I'm going to be wrong here, but I do think they'll, they'll play at, at a top 10 power rating type level. If you do that, you know, you're, you're double digits at Illinois, right? If you do that, West Virginia is not a tough game for you. Michigan State, like Michigan State feels so good about their program, they agreed to move that game to Ford Field, right? Like, like the, imagine giving up a home game. That, to me, that probably has some signal they were willing to do that thing. So that's kind of a neutral site at the end of the year. Won't be some kind of crazy weather game for them when they go play, you know, quote unquote, at Sparty. You get Michigan at home, I I think that they're 10 to 2. I'm going over. Every year, Chip and I are asked to do our our expert picks and our season previews on the website. You know, we have to pick the order of finish. We have to pick the most overrated, most underrated. And then we have to make the bold prediction. Last year, my big 10 bold prediction was that both Michigan and Ohio state would be undefeated. And when they played, the winner would go to the playoff and win the big 10, the loser would end up in the playoff. It's exactly what happened this year. My bold big 10 prediction will be, and again, this is bold. This is not saying I'm something he's, 
definitely sure it's going to happen. I just think there's a very good chance it's going to happen is that Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State will all finish the regular season 11-1 and with each of their loss coming against one or the other. Like Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State beats Penn State. And I think that is the, going to be the case with Penn State this year. I think they're going 10-2, and and they could go 11-1. and They could go 12-0 and because, like, Bud went over a lot of the stuff, but what stands out to me is Aller obviously should be an upgrade for them at QB if he lives up to the potential. It's just something they haven't had in a long time. But even if he doesn't, the rest of this roster, particularly on the defensive line and the offensive line, like Penn State's had good defensive lines in recent years, but I think this could be one of their best. What they haven't had is a very good offensive line. They have a very good offensive line for the first time in like a decade, and they have two very good running backs or three very good running backs behind that offensive line. I just think this is a very complete team, whereas they might not have the talent level that Ohio State has, and they don't have the pedigree that Michigan has having won the last two Big Ten titles. But I think overall, this is the best Penn State team we have seen in a while, and I think this could be a very good season for them. And in this division where I don't see a lot of other real challengers to them, and I don't think the schedule is that big of an impediment to any of them, I think they're going 11-1, and probably 10-2 and at worst. Over. Schedule's harder than it was last year, right? Like Auburn looked tough on paper. It wasn't as bad as we thought. Sure. Do we feel like Drew Aller is going to be at least a Jag plus, like worst case? Yeah. Yes. I'll go over. Because I think there's a chance if he's special, then I think you're talking about what Tom is talking about. And there's been so much positivity. You never know when the guy the lights come on. I had these. You know, again, like the four games, I included Illinois in there on the road, big noon kickoff. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. an atmosphere. His first, you know, his, his first atmosphere on the road that could be hostile, but I still think they can bully him around up front. I think Manny, Manny, Manny Diaz is a really good fit for them. Another year as the defensive coordinator, I think you'll see an attacking defense that will improve. So I'll go over as well. Um, I'm on the over two and there's a conversation going on right now that I think is a little bit interesting. We can game it out, but we won't take too much time. So um, if you have a three-way tie and every single team is eight and one in conference play, normally you start to go with the head-to-heads. If it's all around Robin, now we've got to go to common opponents. But if the common opponents are all still the same and they all have a zero in the loss column against common opponents, we're down to tiebreaker number four or number five. Who wins the Big Ten East? the winning percentage of their opponents, I believe. Okay, so we won't go straight to the playoff selection committee because that normally tends to be like one of the last results. One of the last tiebreakers is like whoever is higher in the whatever ranking it is, and typically in the the playoff era, it has been the CFP rankings. Yeah, My favorite is the drawing of lots. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. I can't say I'm overly familiar with the Big Ten tiebreaker scenario rules, but I think it would be winning percentage of your conference opponents. So that would give Penn State an advantage because I would say that Iowa and Illinois probably could boost that quite a bit. Could boost that. But Northwestern could also drag it down a lot. Ooh. And then you've also got Indiana and Rutgers, but of course, so will Ohio State and Michigan. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I hope we get there. But uh, I'm for all of the reasons that have been mentioned here. And the, the thing that stands out that I want to echo is complete team. I just I, that floor is so much higher because of what I see to be a, a lack of weaknesses, especially compared to recent years. 
and where the ceiling is well, probably depends a lot on the quarterback. Count them up. The Maryland Terrapins going in to year five with Mike Loxley. And I'm going to say, listen, a lot of time left to go. It's been a good hire. Mike Loxley's been good for Maryland football. Um, he's recruited at a level that has allowed them to sort of carve out their position in the Big Ten East. It'll be interesting what happens when the league expands next year. But the the talent level, you know, being able to get in uh, a productive passing game, and of course, Talia Tugavailoa has been a big piece of that in recent years. Uh, things things seem to be going pretty well. Let's see what happens in 2023. So the schedule starts with Towson at home, Charlotte at home, Virginia at home. First road game is September 23rd at Michigan State. Then return home to play Indiana at home. Then at Ohio State on October 7th. And then Illinois at home on October 14th. Off on the 21st. Then back in action for the final five games of the year at Northwestern. Penn State at home at Nebraska. Michigan at home. And then at Rutgers. The over is... uh, the over slightly more pro it's a plus one ten to the over under minus one forty. Let's go, Tom. Let's go back to you. What are we doing with Maryland? Under, but I'm not. I mean, this is kind of a toss up to me. I just think that you look at their schedule, you look at their lot in that division this year. Like I, I think they're going undefeated in non-conference. Like if they lose to Towson or Charlotte, I'll be shocked. If they lose to Virginia, I'll be shocked. But Michigan State on the road is a problem for them. I'd rather have that game at home. I, You know, you get Penn State at home. I don't think you're winning that game more often than not. You get Michigan at home. I don't think you're winning that game more often than not. I'd rather have those guys on the road. Your winnable games, and we've gone over this a lot when we do these win total shows, most of your winnable games are, you know, your coin flip games, I'm sorry, are on the road. Michigan State, Nebraska. It's like I eight and four is possible. Seven and five is more likely. So under over uh, for me, I got Towson, Charlotte, Virginia, Indiana at Northwestern and at Rutgers as the, the wins that I feel comfortable giving them. That gets us to six. I think in terms of the way the schedule builds out, the fact that there are a bunch of home games and a bunch of favorable spots, if they can get into and out of East Lansing with the win, then that's a group that is 5-0 to start the year and probably playing with a lot of confidence going into that Ohio State game. They will lose that Ohio State game, according to my predictions, but you're going to feel a little bit different about it, especially after your strong start for when you play Illinois, go into the off week, and then have to refocus with some winnable games on the back end of the schedule. You know, the toss-ups, I've got Illinois as a toss-up game at Michigan State, Penn State, at Nebraska as a toss-up. So I, I see this being an 8-4 and four season. Um I think that you definitely have some concern about you know, the quarterback injury situation and are you going to adjust your offensive expectations if Tugavailoa goes down. But I, I try not to do that too much at this point in the process unless I'm really nitpicking where I feel pretty comfortable that Maryland's going to have a good season. So I got over and I got it at eight and four. Yeah, this is one of the ones where I just have not seen an edge. Like I'm, I'm not going out there and, and hammering the first three we talked about, but this one, I, it just seems – just seems pretty much bang on. I, I'm at 7.3. This is 7.5 juice over. Like, I'm not going to lay minus 140 to go under on, on that. You should have six auto wins if Talia stays healthy, and then you need to go two and four in your remaining games. Obviously, three of those, you will be heavy underdogs, and the other three a, a little bit less so. Uh, I like the timing of this a little bit. Um, 
for going over. Indiana took a ton of transfers. Maybe they're not gelled by week four, week five. Michigan State, again, don't know what they're going to be. Maybe you can just outscore them early in the season. Uh, Northwestern is one of your road games, which I think helps, right? Like, there's no real easy places to play in, in the Big Ten. Northwestern is the easiest, and, you know, like that, that's not bad to get. So I'll, I'll go over ever so slightly. I, I think Loxley's done a really good job here. Remember, like, when he took over the program, they, they were in some trouble. So mm-hmm. the guy definitely deserves some credit. And I think there's also significant down, downside for this team if, if they get some injuries at the wrong spots. So, yeah, give me over. I almost feel too confident about the over. Uh, I had it lined up like chips. I was 5-0, and excitement, just like there was. Was it a couple years ago? Iowa came to College Park, and it was, like, ugly. And he threw four interceptions yeah. in, like, mm-hmm. the first half. I think it'll probably be the same way. Like, they're 5-0, and and then they get housed by Ohio State. <laughs> and then they come back, licking their wounds. That Illinois game, so that's five wins right there. I'm giving everybody a win against Northwestern, so that's six. The Michigan State thing, I already gave them the win against them. Uh, Nebraska, I think, is one of those unknowns. That's why it's just – but I chalked it up as a win for you know for uh, Maryland because of the edge and what we've seen, the unknown around Nebraska. I had them over almost too confident. Like, let's go. Like, I like locks. I like him. I think he's got the program head in the right direction. But that also terrifies me too. My other thing with Talia is you mentioned that Iowa game that was at home and he threw like a billion interceptions and that yeah. kind of skews the overall numbers. But if you look at his career, he's generally been much better with the football at home than on the road. So having a lot of those coin flip games on the road kind of helps me tilt it the other way because I think that's typically when you see him make you know more mistakes. Mm, good note. How many games are going to win this fall? Man, so Michigan State First show prep, we've got it at four and a half. I've also seen it at five and a half. And the, and the juices, I've not found a five. The juices are, are all over the place. But bananas that we are lo- talking about, a head coach, the juices are all over the place. That's worth it. <laughs> no, no. I, I My my kids just got back from Costco and they're now – And the juices are all over the place? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, like, like again, as we discussed last week, my, my family does not know that I'm on the air every day at 11 a.m., so, yeah. <laughs> um, Mel Tucker, year four, very well compensated, staring down a win total of like four and a half or five and a half, not even bowl. You mentioned it, bud. This, this team has seen an exodus. Peyton Thorne into the transfer portal. Keon Coleman into the transfer portal. And that's, that's not even it. And it hasn't been a transfer portal influx that is going to make you feel extremely excited. We don't have Kenneth Walker III walking through that door. So let's get into the schedule. Starts on uh, the Friday of week one against Central Michigan at home, Richmond at home, then a visit from Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, and the Washington Huskies on September 16th, then Maryland at home, no road games until September 30th at Iowa, off on October 7th, and then back in action at Rutgers, Michigan home, at Minnesota, Nebraska home, at Ohio State, at Indiana, and then the aforementioned uh, game against Penn State on Black Friday at Ford Field. Bud, what you doing with uh, with Michigan State? Yeah, I. so if you look at that four and a half, juice over minus 180, let's just assume like, like 70 cents, right, to, to get us to five uh, for a more kind of, you know, fair price. So that'd be like f- like five over minus 10. I'm actually very slightly over that. I, I think if they run good, 
six is more likely than four, mm. but not by a lot. Like again, I, these most of these have been out for a while. I don't see a, a huge value here, uh, but I don't think Peyton Thorne's amazing. I just think Auburn needed somebody who could throw the football at all. Receiver's definitely a concern. I think O-line has a pretty good chance to be bounced back. They, they were injured there last year. They were also really injured on D-line last year. Uh, so if I had to bet this again, which we do, uh, and last year we went pretty good in the Big Ten, by the way. Tom was 8-3. and three, I was 9-2. and two. Uh, Everybody had a winning record. Chip, 8-2 and two as well. So uh, we've been pretty bang on in the Big Ten. I'm going to go over if I have to, just because I, I think that their relative guaranteed wins are are pretty high. Yeah, we can get four with what I think are guaranteed wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Central Michigan, Richmond, at Rutgers, at Indiana. And I was very kind throwing Washington as a toss-up just trying to stay consistent because at the Pac-12 uh, when Whoa. we did the Pac-12 show, look, I got all one doc. I'm staying organized. I'm staying true to the process. <laughs> it's a toss up for Washington. It's a toss up for Michigan state. Uh, we've got Washington, Maryland, Nebraska. All three of those games are at home. And it's not that I've looked at that, you know, stadium and that environment as decidedly something that I, you know, adjust my expectations for, but it is an advantage. If this thing was at five and a half, I might dance to under. I keep coming up with five and seven is what yeah. I, I keep imagining for the the schedule as I see it. So uh, at four and a half, the way we're picking it, I am on the over. So who has the over? All three of you guys? I haven't. Tom hasn't. Yet. Tom hasn't. Let's go. Sparty's going bowling. Oh, oh, okay. Let's go. This is, this is one of those things. I look at this team a couple years ago when they got to the Peach Bowl, had that incredible season. You know, Kenneth Walker, they vastly overperformed. Last year, injuries contributed, but they vastly underperformed. Six and six is what this team is. They could be seven and five. They could be five and seven, but you kind of touched on it a little bit. Like you look at the schedule Central Michigan's a win. Richmond is a win. At Rutgers is a win. Nebraska is a win. And at Indiana is a win. That's five right there. So can they win one of their other games? The Washington at home, Maryland at home, at Iowa, Michigan, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, Penn State. Yeah. They're going to finish six and six. This will probably be on the locks pod when we do the win totals, too. Michigan State's going over four and a half. Party, yes. You realize we all have time. great vibes. They lost their quarterback. They lost one of the better receivers on the team. Like this place feels like a disaster that's unraveling. And yet you guys have me waffling. I'm about to change I my got- pick to over just by the influence because I think what you say makes sense. I'm going like, and I think there's been kind of a trend here because I went under on Ohio State, not comparing Michigan State to Ohio State, but non-conference schedule is significantly tougher than a lot of the other ones. I'm chalking up the Washington game as an L, like, in Sharpie. Um, but I did have quite a few toss-up games. I just don't know if I'm ready to trust them with those toss-ups. Four is a really low number. I'll I, go... No, 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 go on. I will just say this before you make your pick official. Well, Bud just reminded me, I think my pick sucked last year. No, you're on as well. But no... I have heard, like Bud mentioned, Peyton Thorne going to Auburn isn't exactly something, you know, like Auburn thinks he's going to be great. For people I have talked to around the program, they're pretty okay with Peyton Thorne leaving and the guys they have behind him to replace him. Is it going to be Noah Kim? That's the that's yeah. the lean I've heard, yeah, but I th- they're, they're pretty high. Okay. I'll go team 
No, no, Michigan team, State. Team Sparty. Let's go. Over. Go. You know, the last time that, that somebody on this show said Michigan State's making a bowl when they had a win total of four and a half. They won they 11 games. They yeah. went to the Peach Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Chick-fil-A Bowl, whatever we're calling it now. No, no, yeah. no. It was, it was Aflac. Wait. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think right. Aflac's just the kickoff. Chick-fil-A retains the uh, – Yeah, it's just the Aflac kickoff. They got good – yeah, like, yeah. Is there any concern about confusing duck for chicken? Mm. Aflac, Chick Fil A. I'm just saying it's it, that could be that could be problematic. <laughs> but the way it's presented, they give us more cow than chicken. True. True. So, oh, getting old McDonald out there. It's the old McDonald bowl. Who's gonna be the first fast food restaurant with a duck sandwich? Hit us up in the comments. <laughs> Count them up. Oh, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Oh, he lost Danny. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about Rutgers. He's like, we talked about them earlier in the show. We don't need to talk about he that. Yeah, for your alignment, Danny the text or Danny the Sirius XM. <laughs> we hit the Rutgers Indiana portion of the program, and uh, our former quarterback, the ACC Player of the Year, has uh, has bounced out. Greg Schiano, year four back since his return, uh, and Rutgers starts the season on a Sunday against Northwestern. I, I just want to put that in perspective. I think the game actually really do think the game might be on CBS. I'm, I encourage you to watch it, but my, that's going to be theater. It will be college football theater, Northwestern and Rutgers, probably in a standalone spot on a Sunday. The stakes are incredible. Temple at home, short turnaround as they play on September 9th, then Virginia Tech at home at Michigan on September 23rd, Wagner at home on the 30th, at Wisconsin on October 7th, then Michigan State at home, at Indiana. So after eight games, Rutgers finally gets its off week on the 28th, then returns to this slate. Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, and Maryland. Woo! Over under win total at four. Over minus 130, under plus 100. Tom, what do we do with Rutgers? Uh, push, but under for the sake of the show. Like they're beating Northwestern, they're beating Temple, and they're beating Wagner. So then you look at the rest of the schedule, and it's like, okay, Virginia Tech and at Indiana are the real kind of winnable games. Maybe Maryland at the end of the year if that team's all banged up and kind of just done. I don't think that'll be the case, though. So to reach the over, you have to say that Rutgers is definitely going to beat both Virginia Tech at home and Indiana on the road. I don't know that I feel safe making that kind of call. The quarterback situation is just an absolute boondoggle and remains one, and I don't know when that's going to get sorted out. Maybe it will this year. I don't know, but I'm certainly not betting on it happening. So for the sake of the show, under, but I think 4-8 and is the most likely outcome. All right. I did my notes on this before I got into it with Rutgers fans over the weekend. So this is an unbiased take just for trying to win money. Four is definitely the most likely number and if i could find a place to bet exact four wins i'm not going to tell you what i'm going to price that at but like i I think there's a decent chance that i would bet it for the most part they don't hang that for teams that are projected to win you know three or four games yeah you can bet georgia exact win total 11 i don't know if you can bet rudger's exact win total four DraftKings has like 20 or 30 teams listed i I did check Rutgers is not one of those uh, as of this morning however uh I looked at my notes from last year, and I saw that Rutgers had a good number of defensive players who I thought were important players miss the entire year or almost the entire year. 
And I do think that Greg Schiano is a pretty good college football coach and is a nice fit for that job. And I don't think there's really any way that the offense is worse than it was last year. I think it'll take a somewhat of a step forward. I mean, Wimsat isn't good, and I don't think he'll be good, but I don't think there's any reason to think he has to be quite as bad as he was last year. This is a kid who skipped his senior year of high school, so he was a bit young to be playing. Nerd. Yeah, right, as, as early <laughs> as he did, you know, and I think defensively they are pretty good. I like the timing of the schedule, too. Like, as you guys heard, I'm not really a believer in the Hokies. Temple could clip them if they don't play well. Like Temple maybe okay. I know Stan Drayton gonna be feisty with them boys. Yeah. W- Wagner is basically another buy, though. Wagner is one of the worst teams in the FCS that any FBS team is playing. So there's no reason to think that game will be close. I I, I talked to Bobby Darren, which I thought was one of our better summer school episodes. He he runs um not not Scarlet Inside, uh, Scarlet Nation for, for 24-7 sports. Does a good job. I think this is probably the most feisty Rutgers team in a while. I don't think they're going to make a bowl, but there's some chance they do, and I'll, I'll I'll go push over. Under. Damn. Yeah. Um, Temple, Wagner uh, are my – the wins I'll give them, and I'm, yeah, I think you're right. Like, Temple – Temple's the one that you'd be – every schedule has a, a slip-up game, a game that the computer and your on-paper says you should definitely win, but for reasons um, could be a little scary. But, I mean, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, at Iowa, at Penn State, Maryland, I've got them as losses. Northwestern Virginia Tech at Indiana as my toss-ups. I I just – I can't get to five. It's You're right. Push to under. I am not locking in a three-and-nine season – but I see that being a more likely outcome than going five and seven. So I'm under when, when forced to, uh, to, to go one way or the other. One live betting note. They did lose the punter, Cruikshank, who mm-hmm. was legitimately a force. Yeah, like one of the best three punters in, in the sport for sure. And they had had him for a long time. So Rutgers had a negative field position edge because their offense was just hot garbage the entire time. But then it would sort of like negate itself a little bit because the putter would be like, all right, yeah, I know we didn't get any first downs. Here's an extra first down of punting. Um, he's you know, gone. Rutgers fans would like legitimately cheer that dude when he came out of the field. He was like, their best player. Yes. Nothing um, wrong with that. Well, I mean, yeah. well, something wrong with that if you're playing in the Big Ten <laughs> trying to make it to the postseason. Hey, text no cash, baby. Yeah. But if, philosophically, if you want to cheer your excellent punter, cheer your excellent punter. Good for you. Danny's on the over, by the way. How many games are going to win this fall? Bringing it home here with the Indiana Hoosiers. Year seven for Tom Allen. Um, we, we, there were some great moments. You know, we had that year. We had maybe like two years. But things are not looking great. Over under win total of four, just like Rutgers. And here's the schedule. Ohio State at home. Indiana State at home. Then Louisville and Indianapolis. Akron at home, at Maryland, off on October 7th, back in action at Michigan, Rutgers at home, at Penn State, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, Michigan State at home, and then at Purdue in the rivalry game. Tom, what do we do with uh, Indiana? Under and Tom Allen doesn't finish the season. Um Three and nine, I think, is what you're hoping for with this schedule. Like you open the season with Ohio State and you are just gonna get blasted and then you get indiana state on a friday night at home so you can recover a little bit there 
Louisville in Indianapolis, I think Louisville's winning that game. Akron, they should win it, but I think Akron could be, you know, kind of a surprise team in the MAC this year. Maybe keep an eye out for that. At Maryland, you're losing. Then there's a bye. So they're probably two and three, maybe even one and four going into that bye. And that could be a time where maybe we see Tom Allen go bye bye. I don't know. Or maybe they wait until after they lose to Rutgers to do that move. So. Yeah, like when I look at the schedule, the only wins I could really see are, again, Indiana State, Akron. They could beat Rutgers. I was kind of being a jerk there. But other than that, at Purdue, you're probably not beating Illinois on the road. You're not. Uh, it's just it's there's, there's not a lot of wins on this schedule. This is not a team that I feel very confident about. And I think, you know what, this is why Danny left. It wasn't do the radio show. Danny's always been the Tom Allen homer. He doesn't want to be out here, you know, firing the man. So I'll do it for him under for Indiana. There there are three teams that represent a definitive bottom tier in this conference, and they are Northwestern and Rutgers and Indiana. And I guess just the the difference between them and even a a team that we were like wishy-washy on, like Michigan State, where we're just not quite sure how to pin it. I still see Michigan State as being on a different tier from where this team is Indiana state and Akron are the only wins I'll give you. And man, it's really tough to find wins beyond that. I, I am also on the under here for the Hoosiers. I, I don't like where some of their games are played, right? It, it, at Purdue at Illinois at Maryland is, is difficult. Now, I don't want to just sit here and play the schedule game. I don't think there's any reason that they have good quarterback play. Maybe it gets to average receiver I mean camp camper, is apparently back and should be healthy after having the, the injury last year. O-line, they did have some injuries last year. They, they could have a legitimately improved offensive line. Oh, let's look at the defense. Oh, they lost their top four players in the secondary, right? And they lost oh, the returning almost- production on the defensive side is bananas. Is yeah. it not good? Like it is a, a brand. It's a literal banana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned here. Uh, I, I'm going to go under as well. It is really tough, even with these low numbers, when you see the trajectory to be like, and you know what? They're going to turn this thing around, especially when you're playing in the Big Ten East, when everything is going so well uh, for those teams up at the top. All right. We're going to probably remind you a few more times on social media, but I'm going to remind you one more time here. Got to get your money up, y'all. ACC's showing you up. Listen. I thought the Big Ten was rich. Thought that I I thought so too, Tom. So the auction is running over there at eBay. Uh, we've got a link in the episode description here uh, on YouTube.com and also on the audio platforms wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, head on over and you get to join us for Wednesday's Big Ten Win Totals Pod. Uh, get to hang out, get to make your picks. Uh, it's a really good time. Wade and Hank have done a great job, and you can be next. So make sure you head on over there and jump on in the auction. Anything else? Got to be a Michigan fan out there who wants to show the true value of a Michigan degree. Dude, I mean, I, yeah, look at that. Come on. Um, Donovan Green out three to five months. Bad news for Wake Forest football. <laughs> sucks. Not great. Not great. Little news from this morning. Probably not worth a like five minutes at the beginning of the show, but keep it in mind if, you, if you're going through your Wake Forest or other ACC uh, notes that – just put Jamal Banks in like bubble wrap. Please preserve Wake Forest wide receivers at all costs. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Brunelli. You follow him at Buddy Elliott3. You follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. 
gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes